Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. Are you ready to get in the Word? Come on, try again. Are you ready to get in the Word? Here we go. Good. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to continue uh, part 2 of our, uh, our month-long series, which is a part of a four-month series now. So part 14, but actually part 2. Anybody else confused besides me? And I'm leading right now, so good. So last week we got into this. Moses is standing in the desert watching his sheep, doing what he does. He sees a burning bush in the distance. He walks up and wants to know, why is this bush that I'm seeing burning not being consumed? When stuff catches on fire, it goes away. This just continues to burn, so he goes over to check it out. And when he does, he realizes that he's having what theologians call a theophany. He is speaking to God. God is in that bush. God is talking to him. With his ears, his human ears, he's hearing the voice of God. It's a freaky, terrifying, wonderful, scary, beautiful moment. And uh, in the course of that, he realizes that God has a plan for his life. Have you ever had that scary moment where you realize I'm not normal? I'm, I'm a freak. I'm, I'm supposed to do something freaky. I'm supposed to go somewhere hard. I'm supposed to say something scary. I'm supposed to give something sacrificial. I'm supposed to give up something that's, that, that I love. I, I mean, that moment when God speaks to you and you realize, hey, this isn't like a bad idea. This isn't like a good idea. This is like a God moment, like God's talking to me about change. And so um, he, he begins to ask a bunch of questions of God, as we all do. I, I think this is pretty common and and friendly, familiar stuff. Very few people in Scripture, though they hear the audible voice of God or know or even see a vision of Jesus, go, cool. They usually go, crud? I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> see, I had this dream for my life. It was going to be 9 to 5. There's going to be black coffee. There's going to be blankets and pillows. There's going to be a bulldog that limps. There's going to be hot dogs. And there's going to be feasting and fasting. And this is my life. And then I'm going to die someday when I'm old. And it's going to be really sad. And we're going to have this big party. And my grandkids are going to eat and spend my money. And, and that's life. And all of a sudden, God interrupts you right in the middle of your normal and says, you don't understand. There, there's, a, there's a natural world. And through you, I'm going to add my super to your natural you're, you are meaningful in my plan. You do have something. And so he asked this question. He goes, what, you know, what if, what if um, you know, I, what if they ask me a question like, what's your name? And this is what God says to Moses. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, how many of you guys know, we, we worked on this a little bit last week, did some effort uh, in this direction, but I am generally is followed by a third word. I am confused by the fact that he just said, I am. I am what? And, and, you know, I tell them I am who I am. That literally means I am who I am. I've been who I've been. I'll be who I'll be. And I think what God is doing, and this is, this is the King Jim, this is theriology right now, but I think what God is saying, he's already talking to a terrified shepherd who stutters and thinks that he's a murderer or loser. So we've got enough going on here without a bunch of theology. All you need to know is that this is real and that I'm behind it and I'm talking to you. And we're going to fill in the blank with that third word real soon. I am loving. You're about to find that out. I am kind. You're, you're going to realize. I'm, I am patient. And you're about to realize that. I'm, I am powerful. You're going to see Red Sea's part. I am generous. I'm going to provide for your needs in a wilderness where there's enough of food to feed a dog, let alone a nation of three million people. You're going to find a lot about who I am. But in this moment, all you need to know is that I, I am. You get what I'm saying? How many of you guys want all the answers now and then I'll be obedient? <laughs> That's not faith. Faith is, I have no idea uh, how I'm going to walk on water. I just know that you told me to. So last week, we did some work here, and we talked about this. I am, therefore, I am. I am, therefore, I am. We talked about how Peter didn't really know who he was until he figured out who Jesus was. 
Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I am? And some say you're this, Jesus, and some say you're that. And Jesus just, you know, really just puts the artillery right in the hot spot, danger close, and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter just speaks up. He goes, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're, you're the prophesied Savior of the world. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, blessed are you. Peter, son of Jonah, because you, this wasn't taught to you. This, this can't be taught to you. This is a revelation that my Father gave to you knowing who I am. And then he says this, blessed are you because man didn't reveal this to you. And I tell you, because you know who I am, here it comes, ready? I tell you that you're Peter. You're, you're, you're a rock. And on this giant rock, you're Peter, you're a rock, but on this cliff-sized, Vesuvius giant granite chunk of reality called faith in me, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the, the thought is this, because we know who I am is, in the moment we understand he's loving, we also have to understand that we're loved. Come on, somebody say amen. We, we might know what we know, but we don't know who we are until we know who he is. That's, that's the whole point of this. So I, I am is strong, therefore, through I am, I am strengthened. Is that confusing enough English for you? You got it? I am is my healer, therefore, I know that I am is the one who makes me whole. You still here? So we took three months, and we talked about things that might get in our way, time, resource, we got into talents and what God has placed inside of us and who we might be based on our passion, pain, and proficiency and where those overlap. And really what we're trying to do in this series is this. We're trying to take what you realize you are now and, and actually plug you into the one who adds his super to your natural. It's just natural to you. I'm just, I just have the ability to, I just have always, I don't know, other people try, but I, I just have always been successful when I, right? We're trying to add his super to what you consider natural. To, to know, let me just say this, and I've said it before, but I, I know I'm recapping, but just I've wasted time saying I'm recapping. So let me continue. Uh, knowing who you are is not the goal. Knowing who you are, combining it with whose you are, and then living that life is my goal for you. I want you plugged into the Holy Spirit of God. I want your natural to be completely accessible by his super. I want your lives to be supernaturally led, supernaturally gifted, supernaturally blessed. In, in your worst struggle, your worst nightmare, I want you supernaturally comforted and strengthened. I, I want you to realize that you are not a mistake. We talked about last week how it's like some people say, I believe in God. You go, well, that's wonderful, but relatively common and really doesn't do much good. Uh, as a matter of fact, people that believe in God that go through hard times actually have a harder time in tragedy than people who don't believe in God. When an atheist, which I used to be, I was talking about a guy who was an atheist, you know, weeks ago and is now a believer. As an atheist, when I went through hard times, I said, well, that's life. You know, we're all going to die, feed worms, push up daisies. Like, that's, let's just get through it. Let's just drink our way through it. Let's just cuss our way through it. Let's kick somebody's dog if we don't have a dog of our own. Let's go find some woman to hang out with. Let's just get through the pain. Somehow, we'll assuage it with chemicals or people or a good movie or some, some you know, heartwarming Christmas film like Die Hard. And I'll get through it somehow. I believe in God. But, you know, I, I may just know that if you believe in God and something bad happens, you can begin to ask really relative questions. It's like, well, if God's real, then why did he let this happen? When you're an atheist and something bad happens, you say, well, bad things happen. When you're a believer to this degree, I believe in God, you begin to blame God for what didn't go right in our lives. And how many of you guys know people that were closest to Jesus all died horrible, agonizing deaths? Can I remind us as well that Jesus didn't go to sleep one night 
as a 90-year-old and not wake up the next day. He was crucified in the prime of his life in tremendous suffering. But I'm not saying the Christian life is about crucifixion per se, but I am saying this. Believing in a God who only does what you tell him to do, which you call prayer, is not reality. It's not true. So let's, let's just get rid of that, okay? I believe in God. Wonderful. But there's a different level we can take our faith to, and that is I believe God. I, I, I trust him. I trust his Bible. I trust that when I pray, he hears me. I trust that all things work together for my good, even though I don't understand them. I trust that, that he's in charge. I, I, now, this doesn't make grief less grievous. This doesn't make pain less painful. But it gives you a place to focus. Ladies, this is from the outside looking in, but those of you who have given birth, does Lamaze take away the pain? It, 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 didn't, it didn't take away the pain in my hand. She was still squeezing pretty hard. And she, she was focusing and she was breathing and I was doing the same thing, you know? Because she was squeezing so hard. Fingernails, like trim all your fingernails before you give birth. It's just, husbands, just listen to me. It's the way to do it. Um, it doesn't take away the pain. It just gives you a place to focus it and frame it. Does this make sense? Faith doesn't take away our pain. It just gives us a place to, to, to frame it. Yes, this is bad, but God is good. If you read the Psalms, half of the Psalms are David saying, this sucks. I'm mad at you. Why? Where are you? What's going on? But then at the end of those Psalms, he goes, but I will trust you. That, that's this level. I believe God. I trust him. And then we talked about this third level that certainly David had as well, and that's I believe that God believes in me. We're connecting Ephesians 2.10, last month's teaching, to that thought. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God's prepared us for in advance. We were made for that time, for that goal, for that test. So today I want, I want you to see what can happen when we go from I am, therefore I am, to this thought right here. You ready? I am, that's who he is, therefore we are. Can we just take a minute and think about what it would be like to do life together believing that God believes in us. I love that thought. Literally, when I am discouraged by specific details, that's the thought that I run to. When, when I'm wanting to quit or I'm discouraged or I'm frustrated or it's taking too long or it just got too heavy or whatever, I come back to this thought that God wants a people, not, not, just, not just a church, not just a, a family, but like the church to be one. That God wants businesses and God wants schools, and God wants um, missions, and God wants organizations, and wherever two of them are gathered together in his name for us to be in unity in his midst. The thought that, that we can see who he is, and not just me knowing who he is and living that way, but we can see who he is, and we can live corporately in the supernatural love, the supernatural strength, the supernatural mercy, the supernatural healing of God. Somebody say amen. And so we talk about this today um, we're going to fast forward about 1,470-some years from the burning bush to Mark chapter 1. Jesus has been to a, a fishing village a little bit bigger than Byron, um, and the Sea of Galilee is, you know, about the size of Lake Sinclair, so a good body of water, and it's about 80 miles, uh, so it'll be bigger than Lake Sinclair, 80 miles from, like, Capernaum down to, from your direction, down to Jerusalem, and this is where he starts his ministry. Mark chapter 1, he starts healing people. Um, he teaches in the synagogue with great authority. They're impressed. He goes to Peter's house because they all want to go out to you know, dinner after church, and Denny's hadn't been invented yet. So they, they went to Peter's house. His mother-in-law is there. She's kind of the matriarch of the home. She's sick. She's in bed. There's no food ready. Food. How many guys like miracles? Some miracles just don't work. 
others, right? She gets healed, and we get lunch. Like, what's, what's wrong with this? So she's making the meal. Well, now people are gathering. They're hearing about it. And so in this one day, 24 hours, from one morning to the following morning, Jesus heals all who are sick and oppressed. He casts out demons. All sickness, all disease that is brought before him leaves instantaneously. How many guys know that's a pretty good day? In a town of 1,500 people, that's the greatest single thing that's ever Find more sick people. Let's tell everyone, like, we're so excited they come back, and Jesus is missing. He's off somewhere praying. His disciples go looking for him and say, hey, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus turns and goes, yeah, we're going to leave here. Um, what just happened here is supposed to happen in a lot of other places. So follow me. Let's go. And they leave. They take off. Now, he's gone for, it appears to be a week to maybe six weeks. The, the Bible's unclear. He went to many villages and da-da-da-da. And you don't quite get a, you know, and the third day of the week, there's no, there's no chronology in the, in the narration of the story. But we know he hasn't been gone for a year. He hasn't even called most of his disciples yet. There's just Andrew, Peter, James, and John, are, are just, but no, no Matthew yet. No, I mean, they're, they're missing a bunch of people. So this is early on in his ministry. They come back, and I want to pick up the narrative. You guys doing okay? This is what happens. Look, at Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come what? Say it with me. He had come. All right. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, like the place is packed. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. How many of you guys love these people? I love them. And then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, you might just as well give up because they will not quit trusting me until I do something amazing in your life. I am, therefore, we are. Let's take a closer look at this. Think about this. When people embrace I am, therefore, we are, the presence of God is welcomed home. Let me just please hear my heart. We are gifted with talent here the people that play instruments, the people that press buttons, the people that greet at doors, the people that give hugs if you're late. Your punishment for being late to church is Miss Pat's hug. We have people just uniquely gifted in just what they are. But can I tell you, beyond all of those gifts being exercised, what we need most of all is the lingering time in the presence of God. The, the thing that makes us one is not her gift or his gift or their gift. The thing that makes us one is not the songs we sing. It's the one we sing it to. When, when we embrace this, I am, therefore we are, there's this sense of home. And, and just, I, I just need you to hear this. There's a, there, there's a place in Christ. There's a place in worship. There's a place in fellowship. There's a place in family. There's a place in your office. There's a place in your classroom. There's a place in your morning commute where, where there's just God saying, come to me. Like, let's just, let's just be one together, and we welcome him home. Jesus is not from Capernaum. Nowhere in Scripture does it say he's ever been to this town before. Now, maybe he had been before. It's 85 miles from Jerusalem. It's uh, farther from where he was born, but it just, I mean, it's, it's walking distance in those days. It's a journey. It's a week to get there, but everybody journeys a week in these days by foot or by donkey. So this isn't like Mars. This is one of the neighborhoods around the Sea of Galilee. You get on a boat, just sail north, and you'll be there in a day or two. So it's not like it's a long, long ways. But, but in, this, in this thing, when he comes back, they don't say Jesus returned to their village. Jesus came back to our town. 
Jesus again entered the geography of Capernaum, he uses that phrase, when they heard that Jesus came home. Well, home says a lot, doesn't it? There's a house and there's a home. There's an apartment. There's a cabin. There's a guest house. There's a home. They're saying you're family. When they heard that Jesus came home, they're saying you're one of us. Hear me. When I am becomes we are, we will embrace what happens when I am shows up. It'll be home. If, if we have any home and talent, that's wonderful. But let's make our home in his presence. If we have any, any welcome, any, any sense of, of, of uh, you know, intelligence or giftedness, those are all wonderful things. But the point I'm trying to just drive home to you right now is this. Where Jesus is should be our home. We should be at home with Jesus. He's the one that brings us back together again. Home means family. Home means love. Home means unity. Home. In the presence of God. I want to be where I am is because I am is my home. That makes sense to you? I don't think it does. Let me try again. I have 18 minutes. I got all the time in the world. I can squeeze on this udder till milk comes out. I promise you. Maybe another one. Maybe you've never experienced this. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you watch people worship. Maybe you, you from afar have observed these things. If you've not experienced this, let me tell you. So how will I know when it's there? It'll feel like home. There's, there's a part of your soul that will go, I hope this place existed. And what's neat about the presence of God being your home is you can take your home with you when you're on the road. You can take your home with you into the locker room. You can take your home with you into the hospital. You can take your home with you. When Jesus is your everything, you have everything in common with people that have Jesus as their everything. When I am, therefore we are, you can find other believers anywhere in the world. I was in New York City last week. You know what we found there? Believers in New York City. Bad salsa, but we found a few good believers. <laughs> New York does not know salsa. It's, it's really sad. Um, but that's a problem for another time. Let's continue. When people embrace I am, therefore we are, there's an expectation of the kingdom of God. Jesus came home, and so many gathered that the place was packed. There wasn't even room outside the door. It was Peter's mother-in-law making pizza? Are they giving away a free car on an Oprah episode? They're there because Jesus is here, and wherever Jesus is, he brings his stuff. We know that Jesus is here. Like, hey, guys, Jesus came home. Where is he? He's at Pete's house. Everybody, dinner at Pete's house. And they all show up with this expectation. I mean, just about everybody. There's a few guys that weren't. One guy who couldn't, and he's on that thoroughfare that kind of goes through that area to the, the east and the west, like that, that northern part of the Sea of Galilee. There was like a road, the Aegean Way, that, that runs through there. It's a main trade center, and he's working his corner. He's, I mean, this is this guy's living is, is people's pity, people's sympathy, saying, here, here's, here's money. I just, you know, just, just want to help you. I feel better when I do. I feel worse when I don't. I feel guilty if I don't. So here, here's a couple of coins, and he's out there, and he's sitting by the road, and through the entire narration of the story, he doesn't say a word, so we don't know if he even has an opinion on this, but a bunch of guys show up, and four of those guys pick him up. This could be a good day. This could be a bad day. But they, each, you grab a corner, you grab a corner, and, and evidently he doesn't say anything. Now, either he doesn't have the ability to speak, or what he's saying cannot be repeated in the gospel. We don't know, and there could be other options, but those are the two that I enjoy the most. So they pick him up, and they carry him, and they get there, and what are they doing? Hey, let's just take him for a ride. 
Hey, let's just tick him off. Hey, let's just get him off the corner. Hey, let's just give him a bath. Let's give him some food. None of those things are mentioned. What they're saying is if we can just get him to Jesus, Jesus will do for him what he's done for us. Wherever Jesus is, wherever I am becomes we are, there's an expectation that Jesus gets to be Jesus among us. So whatever you need is why we're bringing you to Jesus. Whatever your heart's cry is, wherever you're broken, wherever you've been injured, wherever you're sick, wherever you're oppressed, wherever you're possessed, we know that if we can get who you are in front of who he is, he and who he is will take care of you and what you are. And that's beautiful. An expectation. Huge crowd gathers, and they can't get him through the crowd. That, that part kind of drives me crazy. People who had Jesus wouldn't get out of the way of the people who needed Jesus. Good thing that never happens in churches anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. You're the first to laugh. I appreciate that. <laughs> Where I am, he will bring truth. Listen to this. When, when people embrace I am, therefore, because I am is who he is, we are who we are, obstacles between Jesus and people who need him are just removed. I love that this narrative of getting around the crowd, tying ropes to mats, carrying somebody on the roof, digging a hole in it, someone pushing the guy that's coming up on the ladder off the ladder, uh, whatever it took. I, I love that Jesus gets covered in dirt and debris and doesn't seem to mind it. It's interesting, too, that people inside the house still don't give up their seat no matter what's going on. So that's consistent there, right? And then they tie knots <laughs> and ropes. And this is before Boy Scouts, so who knows if these things are going to hold. And they, they lower this guy down, down to Jesus. And Jesus looks up through the, the mud and the dirt and the dust and the sunlight coming in, and he sees these sweaty, smiling faces going, now be Jesus. I love the fact that they didn't let any tradition get in the way of what needed to be done. I love the fact that they didn't let physical obstacles get in the way of what needed to be done. I don't know who paid to fix the roof. I don't think anybody cared after the guy was healed. Maybe the guy who was healed fixed the roof. And whatever he did, he, he still, whatever he's saying could not be repeated in the, the gospel or church, but, so he doesn't say anything. But still, I, they just, this is a, the crowd's an obstacle. Picking him up's an obstacle. Tying rope is an obstacle. Getting him on the roof's an obstacle. Digging a hole's an obstacle. Lowering him in front of Jesus is an obstacle. And what the owner of the house and all the people from your village watching you do it, that's all an obstacle. And they just said, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is. What matters is win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. We, we, he is a savior. Therefore, we are gonna get this man to the one who can forgive his sins. He is a healer. Therefore, we're gonna get this man to the one who can, can meet that need of healing in his body. Guys, I hope you're, are you getting this today? It wasn't just one guy's faith. It wasn't Billy Graham. It wasn't Reinhard Bonnke. It wasn't the Apostle Paul. It was a group of people saying, because he is who he is, we have an expectation that he will do what he has done for this person, and we will not allow any physical obstacle. I, can I just say, not just physical obstacles, but there, there must have been social obstacles. Somebody owes somebody money to fix the roof. Somebody is mad that they dug a hole. Like, somebody's embarrassed. You know, what is that sound? It isn't Christmas. Why are there sounds of reindeer and fat men on my roof? What's... What's going on? And all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you're hearing stuff being torn off, and there's voices. There's some shouting in the back. Some guy falls off a ladder because he was coming up. They push the ladder off, and we will not be dissuaded. And then dust and dirt and clay and substance and rocks or whatever they made roofs out of. Man, it's falling. It's embarrassing. Can, can I just say something to you? I think when we stop caring what people think and we start caring about what Jesus thinks, more people will get what Jesus has. So they just didn't care. 
what people thought wasn't an obstacle, what it cost wasn't an obstacle, that it had never been done before wasn't an obstacle. They just knew that they knew because I am who he is. That We can just get him to where I am is. I am will heal. I am will forgive. So they went around the man who couldn't walk. They went over the roof that was in the way. They went through the crowd that wouldn't move. They just got through every obstacle. Um, think of this one. When people embrace I am, therefore we are, this is the line right here. Jesus just gets to be Jesus. If Freedom Center Church has any unwritten goal, it's this. We just want to create environments where Jesus gets to be Jesus. Every Bible study, every life group, every fellowship time, every waiting in line for, you know, coffee. We just want a place where Jesus gets to be Jesus. Do you see that? Where there's an environment where we're not afraid to ask for big things. There's an environment where we trust God to do those things when we ask. There's faith. I am as who he is. Therefore, we, through that revelation, begin to ask for the extraordinary. If you think about it, look at this. When Jesus saw their faith, who is the there in that sentence? Whose faith are they talking about? I, I don't think it's the guy on the mat. Now, he could be, but it, it, the, the narration separates. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, because Jesus saw that he looked at him and pronounced something. He said, because of their faith, please hear me, because they know who I am, they've trusted me with this opportunity, and I am a forgiving, healing Savior. I am your Savior. Your sins are forgiven. Can I just say one more time? No one asked to be forgiven of sins in the narration of this story. No one asked for a miracle of healing in this story. Do you see that? I've read you the whole story. There's a couple other things that go down below, but I, I promise you, nowhere in this story does anyone say, now, Jesus, will you forgive his sins? Jesus, will you heal him? And, and I think that's important. Jesus saw people's faith and answered a prayer that was somehow ingrained in their behavior more than in their language. I know what you're thinking. I know why he's here. I know what your expectation of me is. I know why you're all working together the way you are. I know the need, and I am a savior, and I am a healer, and I am a deliverer, and I am right here, right now, going to show, I'm going to add my super to your natural, and this man's sins are now forgiven and he's healed. Without anybody praying a sinner's prayer, no one raised their hand? No one came forward to an altar? I'm not against any of these things, by the way. I'm just here to tell you, if we can create an environment of just trusting God, belief, um, I don't know how to say this, synergy is the wrong word, energy is the wrong word, but there's, there's something that happens. Maybe it's Psalms uh, 103 or 31, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like, it's like the anointing oil on a priest flowing down his head, down his beard, into his garments. The Bible says it's there in that, that unity that God bestows his blessing, even life evermore. There, there was this, I, I don't know, the whole crowd was happy about it, but there was a bunch of guys on the roof that were. And Jesus looked past a crowd that wouldn't move and a man that couldn't walk and circumstances that couldn't change in the natural way. And he looked up and when he saw their faith, when he saw that they knew that I am is who he is, he said to the paralytic son, everything they didn't ask me for, Jesus just got to be Jesus. How many of you guys want to see Jesus just get to be Jesus? I don't mean every Sunday morning, but I mean 
every Tuesday afternoon, every Thursday night, every Friday morning, when U of M plays Ohio State, how many of you just want to see Jesus be Jesus? You just, you just need a miracle. Just hold it on, right? But what I'm trying to say is this, and, and boy, you got to hear this because i got seven minutes left and I'll use them all, okay? What if they hadn't picked him up? What if they hadn't found a way? What if they hadn't dug through the roof? What if they hadn't tied the knots? What if they never lowered him down? What would have happened that day? And my simple answer is this. What would have happened that day is less than what could have happened that day. And I don't know who started. I goes, hey, I mean, Jesus, we're going to see Jesus. Remember what he did yesterday or a few weeks ago? Remember that? You know, Fred, you were, remember, and Bob, you had that, and, and now we're all, well, what about this guy? Somebody had that idea and goes, why not? They, they evidently didn't ask his opinion. They just pick him up. They take him. They tie knots. They lower him. He doesn't say anything, or what he says can't be repeated in the Bible. We don't know. But when Jesus saw a handful of people saying, we know who you are, therefore we know what our responsibility is. We know that our natural is important in the equation of the supernatural. Freedom Center Church, your natural is really important in the equation of God's supernatural. Because if we know who he is, but we don't embrace that together, then a lot of things don't happen that could. But if we do know who he is, then stuff like this happens. Jesus healed that man and forgave his sins in response to a group of ordinary people just like us that believed I am, therefore we are. I wasn't me asking you to clap. That was me saying yay. Why is it that sports teams get this? Finish my sentence. We are. Marshall. Three of you got it because you saw the movie. You don't like the team, but you, you got it. Corporations get this. Peewee football teams get this. We win or lose together as a... I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a... Everybody gets this. But if you go on social media, you'll find that the biggest group of griping, manipulative, divisive people are politicians. And then us. Shouldn't be. We should be adding our, our natural to God's super in the, in the place of unity. I love that you pray for this church. Would you do me a favor? Would you pray for The Rock, too, and First Baptist and St. John's and United Methodist and the Nazarene Church? Would you pray for all the churches? I think when God sees churches, he doesn't see churches. He sees church. He doesn't see parts of a bride scattered. He sees a bride that believes and trusts. Pray for the church, will you? I think God wants to add a lot of super to our natural one of the supernatural things I'd love for him to do is to knit our hearts together so we can be one church, answer Jesus' prayer. You think you've been waiting for a long time for your prayers to be answered? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed that we would be one over 2,000 years ago. And he's still waiting for an answer to that prayer. If he's waiting and he's holding on by faith, how many of you guys know we can, we can wait? We can hold on by faith too. He's wanting to add his super to our natural. If you're waiting for God to do something in your life, maybe find two or three other people that believe that God believes in you. And tell them your need and be honest. You need forgiveness today. I, I have great faith in my heart because I've seen it by now tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of times where I'm merciful God because I am as merciful. 
you can be forgiven. I've seen it literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times. That's got to be millions of sins, right? That's got to be hundreds of millions of sins. I mean, I, a million sins is like a, a good day for me, it seems like. If you want to be specific about it, I mean, I, every, every lesser thought, every thought that misses the mark is sin. Every time I know the good I should do and I don't do it, it's sin. So if God's in the business of forgiving people like me, I think he might even forgive people like you. I know better. Some of you don't. But now you just need to know one thing. I am as merciful. I am as loving. I am loves you. On a scale of 1 to 10, you're his 11. I can prove to you that he'd die for you. I can prove to you that he'd raise from the dead for you. I can prove that, that he'd prepare a place for you, that he can spend eternity with you. Like, this is no joke, full-time, all-out love. God loves you. So to ignore that love, you're, you're missing who, who I am is. And you can ask him, are you forgiving? And he would say, I am. Are you loving? And he would say, I am. Close your eyes, would you, all over this room. If you're not... Right with God, here's, here's a moment that may change everything for you. A moment where you ask I am to do his I will <laughs> in your life. Jesus didn't die to start a religion. He died to make a family. Jesus didn't rise from the dead to prove a point. He rose from the dead so that through the resurrection and defeat of even death itself, we would know that death is defeated in our lives, that we will rise again, that there is an eternity and that there is a place that he's gone to prepare for us. Everything that we know, everything we see, all the beauty of the mountains and the deserts and the, the Caribbean blue and the, the Amazon green and uh, the peacock's feather, all of that was made in six days. A couple thousand years ago, Jesus, the creator, said, I, I go to prepare a place for you. I know that I'm quoting Keith Green from 1976, but if it took six days to make this, and he's been preparing a place for 2,000 years, the beauty of this world is like garbage in a can <laughs> compared to what is in store for those of us who will just believe I am is merciful to those who ask. So the question is not is I am merciful. The question is will you trust who he is? Is he good enough for both you and him? Will he forgive your sins? Does he love you? Is that his sole motivation behind everything he's ever created, everything he's ever done, everything he's ever destroyed? Is that you would know his love. If you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, he's waiting for a question of faith. Will you please forgive me? Will you please give me a fresh start? If what Jim says is true, then I... I trust you in that, God, and I want that for my life. If that's you in your own way right now with your own words, just tell them, I need a fresh start. I need a Savior. I don't need a do-over. I don't, I don't need a rabbit's foot. I don't need a four-leaf clover. I don't need some sort of confession where I get forgiven and go out and do it again. I, I need a relationship with the Holy One of Israel. I need what I am is I'm not, and I need who you are in my life. I need grace to help me do what I can't do to stop doing what I'm doing. I need mercy as I learn how to walk. I need forgiveness in an ongoing relational sense. I ask you and you alone for that. If that's you, just say it right now. God, I need you. I don't need it. I don't need them. I don't need that. I need you. I ask you 
to save me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I'm just curious. I didn't do this in the last service. I probably won't do this in the next service. But you're here and you're like, I, I have been on the outside looking in to the, to the we are. I, I come to the church occasionally, or I, I fellowship with believers occasionally, or I listen to Christian radio, but I'm not, a, I'm not part of a we. I, if I saw a guy in need, whatever that need was, I wouldn't even know who to ask. If God told me to do something about it, I wouldn't know who else would pick up another corner. I'm not a part of a we. I'm, I'm, I, I go to a church, or I listen to a radio show, or I listen to a podcast, I watch a YouTube, I read a book, but I'm, I am literally, I, I don't know who I would call. Who would my other three people be that would help me lift the weight of a need. I don't know who they are. Like, going to church, great. But being the church, that's, that's what we're heading towards. If you're here, but you're not connected, like, after church, after the service, there's a, a room to go get connected with. Like, get a part of a small group to start in January. Um, invite me to coffee. I drink coffee, like, until noon most days. I'm not saying that's all I do. I'm saying that I drink coffee most days till noon. I eat three times, sometimes five times a day. And, and I'm sure I'm not any different than anybody else in this room. If you, if you don't know who we, if you don't know a we to be a part of, if you want friends, the Bible says show yourself to be friendly. Not right with God, get right with the God. If you're not, if you're not in a, a group of believers that knows who I am is, therefore we are, man, come on, take that next step. You won't be discipled in solitude. Iron sharpens iron. It needs another piece of iron to become sharp. It just rusts in solitude. It sharpens in contact and conflict and confrontation and growth and challenges. And you don't have to be alone. And I don't know why, but I just felt like the Lord said, say that again. You don't have to be alone. You don't. Father, I pray a blessing of unity and peace over your people. And I don't just mean in this room or the next service or Thursday night. I mean, can you just join me in this? God, we pray for the Rock Church this morning. In the name of Jesus, bless Pastor Wes and all those sermons he's going to preach today. God, bless the river out there as those young men lead that church. God, we pray over the Nazarene Church around the corner, First Baptist, St. John's. God, we pray. Would you, wherever there's believers, God, let, let whoever... Whoever it is that knows who, who I am is, let them be one. Let our barriers and our pet doctrines and our softball grudges and our silly, I left that church in 1907, so they're no good. Like just, but may all the superiority bow before the superiority of Christ and let your bride be spotless and without blemish or wrinkle. And we just love you, God. Thank you that I am is, therefore we are the body of Christ. I love that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Nobody leave quite yet. Altar workers are coming forward. If you need prayer for anything, anything. Say, what about, yeah, but isn't there, a, no, yeah, just prayer for anything. We'd love to pray for you healing, pray for you encouragement. You just need a word from the Lord, prophetic word or counsel. I can't promise you there'll be a prophetic word. So I'm just saying God speaks to people who listen. And uh, between doctrine and the gifts of the Spirit, I believe you can get some, some direction, some blessings, some encouragement, some breakthrough today. So if you need prayer for anything this way, if you are not a part of a we, like we will be in that back room. 
That's, can somebody turn the light on and wave at me back there? Is there somebody, a staff member perhaps, that could go in that direction? I just, sometimes I think people miss it. There's a big sign that says guest room. You see, Pastor Carl, there's a big guy in front of the big sign waving an arm the size of my leg. There it is. Look at that. I, do it again. Do that again. I love it. Come hang out. Like, let's just get you from being I to we. And... Um, We'd love to have you be a part of what God's doing here. In the meantime, Lord bless you and keep you. May you have a wonderful week. May you show up Thursday night with your kids to sing and have fun. May you eat way too much and go on a great diet in January. May you keep your promises to your friends and your family. And may you become the we that, that embraces who he is very soon. And we love you. God bless you. Live long, prosper. You're dismissed. Prayer this way. Don't know. Who